Hello there, my name is Emmanuel Inkum and again I come your way with the word of God that is able to build you up and grant you an inheritance amongst them that are sanctified. Shall we pray? Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I ask that you grant unto us the spirit of revelation and wisdom and grant us understanding unto your word. I would understand what you're trying to tell us in these times and be able to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. And many times I've had I've had people asking me about rapture and how rapture is going to be like, when rapture is going to happen, and then ultimately whether they are rapture ready or not. Uh, there's one thing that I'm sure about that rapture indeed will happen. But then I ask myself, what is the most important thing here? Is it trying to know everything about rapture or trying to make yourself ready for rapture? Because that I, that I think is the most important thing. You need to be rapture ready. And so I dedicated today's delivery to an aspect of rapture and more importantly what we need to do to be adequately prepared for the rapture but before then i'm sure you may have heard a lot of things about rapture 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 what is this rapture and how different is it from the second coming of christ is it the same as the second coming of christ or not well the rapture is not the same as the second coming of Christ. In the book of Matthew, the gospel according to Matthew chapter 24, and then verse 30, Jesus makes two contrasting statements. And the first reads this way. That is Matthew chapter 24 and verse 30. He says, And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So Jesus is talking about his own second coming. And he says that when it happens, there shall appear, there shall appear in the sky the sign of the Son of Man. And the key takeaway from this verse is that everybody on earth will see him. And that is when they will begin to mourn because they would see him. And to buttress this verse, I read to you from Revelation chapter 1 and then verse 7. He says, Behold, he comes with the clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. So this is another scripture from from the book of Revelations, which was written by John, to confirm what Jesus actually said. So the second coming of Christ is going to be such that everybody on earth at the time will see Jesus descend with the clouds. Now, in the same book of Matthew, the same chapter, when Jesus was talking about his second coming, he makes another remarkable statement in verse 43. So that's Matthew 24, 43. And this he says, but, not, but know this, that if the good man of the house had known 
he would watch the thief would come he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up therefore be ye also ready for in such an hour ye think not the son of man cometh for who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his lord has made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season so what he's saying here you know which contrasts his initial statement is that the coming of the son of man shall be like the thief who comes in the night or probably any day so how does the thief come the reason why he's a thief because he does what he does and nobody sees him so first of all jesus compares his coming to uh, describes his coming as one that everybody would see and then he comes again and describes it and he talks about the thief it, it doesn't make sense it contrasts so what is jesus actually talking about here first of all i'd like to draw your attention that the, the discourse in the 24th chapter of the gospel according to matthew which is about the second coming of christ the signs of his second coming started because the disciples actually went to jesus and asked him to tell him what the signs would be i read to you from verse 3 matthew 24 he says and as he sat upon the mount of olives the disciples came unto him privately saying tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world so they they began the entire conversation with the question tell us what the signs of your coming would be so everything that jesus discusses in matthew 24 were the signs of his coming and i want to put on record that the rapture is not the second coming of christ but one of the many signs of the second coming of christ because like jesus himself says both in matthew and through his servant john in the book of revelations his second coming will be such that every eye everybody on earth at the time will see him however before that he is going to come in like a thief to take his bride unto himself prepare his bride so that together with his bride he can descend in glory the second coming of christ is not the same as the rapture rapture is a sign that the second coming is close because when he comes for his bride the next thing that is left is for him to come together with his bride so rapture is about god or the lord our lord jesus christ coming down as a thief so that the world has no idea what is happening and coming down to take his own take those that are ready and taking them to heaven to prepare them for his actual second coming now when you read the book of revelations when the bible talks about the actual coming of the lord like he talks about jesus and then a host of army with him so jesus is not going to come alone he's going to come with an army but he needs to prepare the army make sure they are well well dressed for battle before he descends
I, I wouldn't want to talk so much about rapture. Then I just want to discuss an aspect of it with you. I'm reading to you from First Thessalonians chapter four, and from verse sixteen, seventeen, and eighteen. He says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another, with these words. I just remembered something as I was going through the, the scripture reading. You know, when Jesus ascended, when he had his when he had a meeting, last meeting with his disciples, and he ascended into heaven. Bible says there were two angels that spoke to the disciples right after Jesus ascended and told them that the same way he ascended, so shall he come down. So his second coming is going to be similar to how he first ascended into heaven. Now, how did he ascend into heaven? His two feet made contact with the earth. He was on earth speaking to the disciples. And Bible says the clouds received him. So he ascended that way and then up he went. Now, the second coming of Christ is going to be the same way. In other words, he's going to come in the clouds and his two feet will make contact with the ground yet again. That is what angel meant when he said, his second coming will be similar or the same as he ascended. But then rapture is not that way. What I read to you, he says the Lord is going to meet the church in the air. So the, the, the Lord is not stepping his foot on earth, but he's meeting the church in the air. So that, that clearly is not his second coming. But he's coming in as a thief to take that which belongs to him. Now let's take this reading again. He said, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. This is where I want you to pay attention. The Lord shall descend with a shout. How will I know that rapture is happening? This is it. The Lord shall descend with a shout. He is gathering his own. And so when the time is due, he's going to give a shout. I don't know what the words in the shout would be. Whether he's going to say ye or ah or get ready or come to me or I don't know. But then the Bible says that he shall descend with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trump of God. Now, the reason why he's going to come with a shout and the voice and come with the voice of the archangel clearly is for his church to hear him and to respond. So look at verse 17. He says, after he, he descends with a shout and with the trump of God, the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. So there shall be a response. In other words, he shall come and call out his own. And this is how he's going to call out his own. First, with a shout. Second, with the voice of, a, of an archangel. And then third, with, a tr with the trump. So you see, there is no excuse if you're a believer. If you're a true believer, you will hear one of these three. All three. And on hearing this, there shall be a response from the earth realm. And this is the response. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. So this is where rapture happens. So people are not going to see us 
you know levitating in the in the in the air people are not going to see us uh, ascending slowly said hey look at that man you see he's going no 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 that's not how it's going to be we will disappear from the earth and appear in the air and as we appear something about us will change something about us will change and i want to read to you from first corinthians first corinthians chapter 15 and i read to you from 51 and then 52. now apostle paul says behold i show you a mystery we shall not all sleep and by sleep he means die but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye as the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed hallelujah so he's talking about we responding to the call to the trumpet that will be sounded and in our response to that call we shall be changed we will not leave our bodies on earth but then our bodies shall be transformed as we hear the sound from heaven as we hear the lord call out unto us so this is how the rapture is going to happen there's going to first of all be a call and there will be a response i've spoken about the call i've spoken about the response and this is going to happen in a twinkling of an eye just like you twinkle your eye by the time you twinkle your eye that person by you that person lying by you that person working by you will no longer be there that person would have disappeared with his body and everything and met the lord in the air and paul was explaining in first corinthians 15 how different we are in terms of uh, um, glories and that the sun has has got his own glory the moon has got his own glory angels have got their own glory and we should also or would also have our own glory how would our bodies look like how would this glory that i keep mentioning be i read to you from first john trying to get to first john first john chapter three so i read to you from verse one behold what manner of love the father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of god therefore the world knows us not because it knew him not beloved now are we the sons of god and it has not yet appear what we shall be but we know that when he shall appear we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is so you see once we appear in the sky we shall see the lord and when we see the lord we shall be as he is remember when jesus resurrected you know he resurrected with a new body he did not ditch the human body that he walked on earth with he had that human body because the bible says when he appeared to the disciples he showed them his palms and you could clearly see the holes in his palms so that very hand that was nailed to the cross that was the very hand he came with but that hand had a certain glory this is this was the glory he could appear and disappear he could walk through walls remember the two disciples who were on their way to Emmaus, he appeared in their midst and then when the disciples were gathered he appeared in their midst yet they could touch him because he was not a ghost that body that he had had a certain glory um jesus ascended with that body 
clearly and came back before meeting the disciples. Then again, when he had met the disciples the last time on the 40th day after his death and resurrection, the Bible says, with that same body he ascended, we cannot enter heaven with these bodies. So our bodies need to be changed. And how will our bodies look the same way Jesus' body looked when he left this earth? Because that's how he is going to come. And that is how we would see him. And John says, when we see him, we'll be like him. Amen. So that is the kind of body we are going to live this earth with. We're not going to live with this body. And let me share another mystery with you. He says, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Who are the dead in Christ? He's talking about the church in glory. In Hebrews 12, verse 24 downwards, Paul talks to us about the gathering of the saints, the gathering in Zion. And he talks to us about, in fact, I want us to read, let's, let's, let's read Hebrews, I'm going to get to Hebrews quickly. Hebrews chapter 12, I read to you, okay? So I read to you from 22, from verse 22. But ye are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven and to God. I'm going to read that part again, 23. To the general assembly, and the church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven and to God. So he's talking about the general assembly who are the church of the firstborn in heaven. But we are here. But he's talking about a certain general assembly in heaven. He's talking about the, 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 the remainder of the church who are in glory. Let me let me read this the, another scripture to you. The same, the same chapter, Hebrews 12 and verse 1. He says. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. He is describing the church in glory as a cloud that, you know, hovers upon us, who are looking down at us and watching what we are going to do. And right before chapter 12, he spoke about chapter 11, about how the church in glory used faith to overcome nations, to overcome temptations, to overcome challenges that were posed to them by the enemy. Now this church in glory is looking down at us and is waiting to see what we are going to do in our day, what we are going to accomplish with our faith. And so the church of the firstborn is divided into two, those that are in glory, those that are in paradise, and those that are on earth. When Jesus died and he, he, he was erected on the third day, the Bible says. This is captured in the Gospel according to Matthew. The Bible says the saints also resurrected. The likes of Abraham, Moses, who had died and were kept in Abraham's bosom in hell. The Bible says they also resurrected. And they came into the holy city, which is Jerusalem, to show themselves to the people. Now, remember before Jesus died, he said to that thief who showed empathy, um, to Jesus' situation that today you shall be with me in paradise. Paradise was not there before. Remember, he told his disciples that there are many mansions in my father's house, many, many rooms in my, my, my father's house, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. So when Jesus died, one of the things that he actually did was to prepare paradise for the church in glory. 
so the souls of the men who died in Christ who made it to heaven are actually in paradise now when he is coming back for his church remember these guys were buried here on earth to this day their bodies I'm sure so it's some some sand somewhere that somebody used to build a house or something but the truth is their remains are still here on earth so at the sound of the trumpet their souls which are kept in glory Bible says shall come down to reunite with their remains here on earth now think about this if they are already in glory they are already in paradise which Paul says is the third heaven why wouldn't Jesus come with them because God, Jesus is going to come from from heaven anyway so the idea would have been that well he, when he's coming on his way he just he just picked them up so that in the sky they'll be waiting for us and we'll all join them no more he says the dead would rise rise from what from the ashes rise from 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 their remains so wherever that bone is wherever that 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 tissue that God rotten has been they will find it and Bible says they will reunite with their remains and then meet us Jesus himself kept his body intact those of us who are alive had our bodies intact what about those that are dead their bodies were buried inside some coffin in under some tree which probably is of course rotten it won't be fair because they, they won't reunite with their bodies Bible says we shall be like him in other words, our body shall also be saved. Remember, the plan of God is to save your spirit, your soul, and body. And so your body is as important to God as your soul is. So they shall reunite with the remains here on earth. So wherever they were buried, wherever they were buried, their bones, their remains will be, will be located. And once they see Christ, they shall be like Christ good so um having said this how would we hear the sound of the trumpet first he's going to call us with a shout and then with the voice of the archangel the voice of the archangel is the voice of a trumpet and then with the trump of god in other words the lord jesus is going to do everything he can to reach out to us now if us of today you do not know the voice of the Lord, you are in big trouble. Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God. How do you think the Spirit of God leads us? By talking to us. Do this. Don't do it. Don't take this decision. How do you think he's doing that? He's training us for that day. Let me let me let me show you a scripture. The gospel according to John. Where is it? The gospel according to John chapter 10. And then verse 27. Listen, this is what the Lord Himself says. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Simple. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, they follow me. Whenever He speaks, those that truly belong to Him know His voice. And when they hear His voice, they follow. That is what comment when he wrote in, in his book to the church in Rome that as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. They are the sheep, God's flock. Because when he speaks, you must hear. So my first question to you is, do you hear him when he speaks to you? Do you? 
If you don't, then you need to work on it. If you don't, then you need to work on the voice. How does God speak to you? See, this is not going to be a matter of something told me, something said. You know, when we're not too sure what is speaking to us, we go like, something said, something told me. It's not an issue about whether something or who or... You need to be definite. God said to me. God spoke to me and said, God told me not to do this. God told me to sit and wait. God told me in prayer to do that. When are you going to start talking this way? And that is why I told you yesterday that it is important for us to mature. This is one of the key signs of maturity. To be led by the Spirit. You need to know what the Spirit of God is saying at any point in time. God spoke to you but you did not hear. And that is one of the things we need to watch out for. Because we need to be ready for His voice. One of these days is going to speak. And when he speaks, that might be his final word to us on earth. Probably he's going to tell us, come back home. And it is the hearing of the word that inspires faith. It is the hearing of the word that inspires a response. So if you cannot hear him, then how are you going to respond? That is why two believers will be working with a plow. And Bible says one will be taken and the other remain. Why? Because one head the other did not hear. The other one was asleep. So we do not have to be sleeping. It is only when you are asleep that when your name is mentioned, you cannot hear. Sometimes you might hear, sometimes you may not hear at all, depending on how deep asleep you may be. So this is where you need to really watch out. This is one of the things you need to really work on if you want to be rapture ready, the voice of God. This is how far time will permit us. But then I want to encourage you to steady to show yourself approved. The coming of the Lord is more than near. And we need to prepare ourselves as a church. Today, what our focus has been is being rapture ready. One of the things we need to work on. And as I mentioned, it has to do with hearing the voice of the Lord. If you do not know the voice of your own Lord, which you claim to worship, who you claim to serve, whom you claim to be in a relationship with, then you need to watch it. You need to work on it. How do you work on it? Study the word. God has never spoken differently from what he has written in this book. Let me end with the scripture. In Hebrews chapter 1. Let me end with the scripture. Hebrews chapter 1. Verse 1 and 2. He says, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spoke in time past unto our fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his son. Full stop. It's a comma, but I put full stop because that's what I want to communicate. In the times past, God spoke to our fathers by prophets by the high priest, by kings, by animals, by visions, by dreams, you know, by using several, several things. He spoke to Gideon using signs just to convince Gideon that it was him. But today, how has he spoken to us? He has spoken to us by his son. In other words, the way God speaks to us can be identified by one way. Remember, Jesus said he is the way. So Jesus is the way the Father speaks to us. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Word. 
So the more you study God's word, the more familiar you are with the voice of God. You do not have to hear the audible voice of God to be convinced that God is speaking to you. All you need to know is to know what God's God's word is saying. And the more you become familiar with what God's word says in this situation, that situation, is the same way you become familiar with the voice of God. And the voice of God can be different to everybody. But one thing is similar to us of the word. Whatever he tells you, it is consistent to his word. So watch out. If you do not know his voice, this is how to know his voice. Practice it. Know the word. So when he speaks, you know that, oh, I know this voice talking to me is the Lord's. Why? Because what he's telling me is consistent with scripture. And that is how you identify the voice of the Lord over all the other voices in the world. The Lord bless you and keep you and continue to give you understanding into his word. I pray that this word that you have heard today will go a long way to be a blessing to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Hello there, my name is Emmanuel Lincoln and I come your way this morning with the word of God which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance amongst them who are sanctified. Today I want to talk to you about one of the ways we can adequately prepare for the coming of the Lord. Um, in our last series we looked at an aspect of rapture and what it meant to us and what we needed to do to be rapture ready. Today we want to look at another aspect. We are doing this so that we are not afraid of what is happening around us. Because there is so much that is going on that if you don't take care, you would live in fear. And that is something that you do not want to do. Because God has not given us the spirit of fear. When fear is present, fear suppresses our ability to respond to God. Fear suppresses our ability to hear from God. And that is why we need to deal with fear here and now. And so knowing what is going on, understanding, and knowing what to do is key because it takes fear from you. I mean, you can consider this. It's like preparing for um, going for an interview or being told that you are going to deliver a speech which you have not prepared for. Once you are not prepared for it, you are afraid because you don't know how it's going to go. But if you're adequately prepared for that interview, you're adequately prepared for that presentation or for that speech that you need to deliver, because you're prepared, fear is no more because you know how it's going to go. And that is the same thing with the coming of the Lord. If you understand the times and seasons we are in and what believers need to do, it takes fear away from you and you're able to prepare adequately for that which is happening and is yet to come. And so we want to take another aspect of the coming of the Lord and specifically rapture and understand how it's going to happen and what we also need to do to prepare ourselves adequately for it. Um, Shall we pray? Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, the entrance of thy word grants or gives light. We pray and ask that you continue to open our eyes to the truths in your word that we may be made free in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
Amen. I want to read to you from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 from verse 1 downwards. I read, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. So by our gathering together unto him, Paul is talking about the rapture. Verse 2, he says, That ye be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that day of, of Christ is at hand. Then again, this is so, so important, because as his coming is approaching, there are a lot of things that are going to happen. That is why Paul is talking about you not being shaken in mind or being troubled, neither by spirit nor by word. So do not be troubled in spirit. Do not be troubled by what the things you hear. Okay? Verse 3 says, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin is revealed, which is the son of perdition. He's talking about the Antichrist here. Verse 4. Who opposeth and exalted himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he so that he as God sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. I don't go into detail but because this talks about the desolation of abomination which Daniel spoke about. Um, that I'm sure one day we'll talk about, but not today. And he says, Remember ye not, this is from verse 5, Remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things, and now ye know what withholds that he might be revealed in his time. He's talking about the Antichrist. For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now lets will let until he be taken out of the way. I know I'm reading to you from King James, and sometimes the King James English can be really, really confusing. So I want to read to you from a different version of the Bible um, so that understanding comes to you easy. So it says, Who puts himself against all authority, lifting himself up? over all which is named God or is given worship, so that he takes the seat in the temple of God, putting himself forward as God. All that he's trying to say here is that the Antichrist, the reason why he's known as the Antichrist is that he's going to project himself as God. Okay? Now, is he, has he come? He's already around? Or he's here to come? That's what Paul is trying to clarify here. Verse 5, he says, Have you no memory of what I said when I was with you, given you word of these things? And now, it is clear to you what is keeping back his revelation till the time comes for him to be seen. Verse 7 says, For the secret of evil is even now at work, but there is one who is keeping back the evil till he is taken out of the way. Today, I want to talk to you about the role of the Holy Spirit in in the impending rapture of believers um yesterday we looked at the lord jesus the role that he's going to play and we saw that he was going to give a shout 
and that shout is what is going to call out believers. That shout is what is going to um, cause us upon hearing to be transformed and look like him meeting up in the air. That's what Jesus is going to do. Now, at the time when Jesus is doing this, what would the Holy Spirit be doing? And if we get to know what the Holy Spirit is going to be doing, how can we adequately prepare for that? Now, in this passage, um, Paul is talking about the, anti- the revelation of the Antichrist. That was the revealing of the Antichrist. And he's talking about some of the things that the Antichrist would do that we don't want, we don't want to go in there now. But then we know that the Antichrist is coming. But there are two verses that I want to draw your mind to, and that has to do with 6 and 7. And now it is clear to you what is keeping back his revelation till the time comes for him to be seen. The world is ready to receive the Antichrist. Only that the love of God for souls is so much that he still waits for the church to be ready before he can come. Now, it looks like I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me just add verse 7. Verse 7 says, For the secret of evil is even now at work, but there is one who keeps back the evil till he's taken out of the way. Who is this one who is keeping back the evil? It has to be one. The Bible says in John, um, the Gospel according to John chapter 1, it says, The light shines in darkness, and darkness comprehends it not. The only thing that pushes darkness back is light. The only thing that pushes darkness back is light. And in the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus asked the disciples, Who do men say I am? Peter responded, I'm sure many, many of those other disciples also responded. But then he says, Who do you think I am? Who do you say I am? Peter, Bible says, responded and said, Ye are the Son of God. And then Jesus said that flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Then Jesus makes this profound statement. He says, you are Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So if there is anything, if there is anyone, if there is any institution on earth that is impeding the work of the kingdom of darkness, that is impeding the revelation of the Antichrist, it is the church. Who is the church? Now, when Jesus resurrected from from death, he told his disciples they should go nowhere, but they should remain in Jerusalem until there come the pouring of the Spirit that Joel spoke about. He says, in the last days, he shall pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Pour means from a higher point to a lower point. So the spirit of God was going to come from heaven and would settle on men. And the church was inaugurated when the spirit of God came on the day of Pentecost. And so in Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, we are told that when they were in one accord, in that upper room, there came a rushing mighty wind that entered that meeting, sat upon them, filled them up, filled the room up, 
Bible says they began to speak in tongues and that was the beginning of what will be known as the church of God, the bride of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it is the Holy Spirit that has made the church what it is today. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no church. I hope you understand. So, you see, that's when, that's why when Nicodemus went to Jesus and started to talk to him about entering the kingdom of heaven, entering the kingdom of heaven, Jesus did not talk about the deeds of the flesh. You know what? You need to be righteous. You know what? You need to do this and do that and do that. And when you have done all that and obeyed all the Ten Commandments, you would go to, no, 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 no. Jesus knew what was, what he needed. And that was the Spirit of God. He says, he that is born of the flesh is flesh, but he that is born of the Spirit is spirit. And that is what the church is. The church refers to the group of people who have been born of the Spirit. And how are you born of the Spirit? You are born of the Spirit when the Spirit of God comes to live in you. The Bible says when any man is in Christ, when any man, any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Who initiates this new creation? Let me read to you from the book of Titus. For those of you who don't know where Titus is, Titus is in the New Testament, just before Philemon and after the book of 2 Timothy. So I'm reading to you Titus chapter 3 and I'm, I'm reading to you from verse 5. He says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of his Holy Ghost. So it is the Holy Spirit that brings us the new birth experience. It is the Holy Spirit that gives us the regeneration of our spirits. He uses the word regeneration because we already have God's spirits, only that these spirits are dead, separated from God. So God regenerates the spirit so he connects us back to him. And the one who does that is the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no connection, there is no bridge to the Father. And remember, the Holy Spirit is another Jesus, Allos Paracletos. He is there representing Jesus. Jesus is the only way to the Father. So the Holy Spirit is there as a bridge to the Father. Okay? So when the Holy Spirit comes into our life, then our lives, then we become a part of the church. Let me show you another scripture from the epistle that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth, which is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, he says, okay, I read to you from verse 13. Now he says, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. So there is one spirit who baptizes us all into one body. And that body is the body of Christ, which is the church. So without the spirit of God, my guy, you might be going to church, you might, you, might, you might hold a certain position at church, but it's in vain because you do not have the Spirit of God. And unless you have the Spirit of God, you're not born again. What am I trying to say, or what am I driving at, talking about all these things? I'll take you back to the new, new birth experience. What, what am I trying to do here? Now, the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Thessalonica, the one that we read, 2nd Thessalonians chapter 2 
Paul was making it very clear that the only thing that is keeping the Antichrist from showing up because everything is ready and all the, anti, all the Antichrist needs to do is just show up his head because there's a new world order that is almost coming upon us and the only group of people preventing this from happening is the church. Now that I've mentioned this, let me just share and the, um, the COVID-19 pandemic that we see today is one of the many plots by this hidden group of people with a hidden agenda of establishing a new world order. The new world order is simply um, one world. So we're going to have one world religion, one world government, one world currency, one world everything. And we'll have one world president, who in this case will be the Antichrist, who will unite all the nations. So there's this plan concocted, and COVID-19 is one of those plans. I don't want to go into details, but whenever there is fear, people run in search for the anything they can do to drive away that thing that causes the fear. And that is, in this case, COVID-19. So we should be very careful, very, very careful. Many people have prophesied and spoken about the vaccine, a certain vaccine that is going to come out. You have heard about the, the mark of the beast and everything. See, these things cannot be the church is what is stopping the revelation of the mark of the beast and the beast himself, which is the Antichrist. So we need to be awake as a church. What role are you playing pushing back that darkness? What role are you playing? So first of all, I've mentioned that the church is the institution, the very thing that is pushing away the darkness. And it's the church because the Spirit of God is involved. Now, the day the Spirit of God will be taken away from the earth, that will be the end. Nothing can push back that darkness anymore. And that is when the Antichrist will come in. The very day that rapture happens, a couple of plans will be, will be, will be set rolling for the revelation of the Antichrist. It won't be long till the world sees someone who's moving around saying, you know, there's, a, there's the need for the world to come together as a one as one government and have one currency and one this and one that and one, you need to be careful. Going back to what we're discussing in the contest, the church is standing in the way of the Antichrist. Why is this the case? Because the Holy Spirit is on earth. As long as the church is here, the Holy Spirit is here. Because the Holy Spirit is, is, is the one who makes the church what it is today. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes the church as powerful as it is today. So once the Holy Spirit is taken away, how will the Holy Spirit be taken away? Through rapture. When Jesus speaks, when he shouts, the very person that would enable us to respond is the Holy Spirit. And that is why we hear him wherever he is. It's like, <laughs> let me just use our phones as an example. Anybody who has got a phone and is connected via MTN, Tigo, or any of the telecommunication networks, once you're connected and online, when someone calls you on the phone, you hear and you're able to respond. But if you don't have a phone in the first place, how can you respond to someone who is calling using the phone? 
So the one calling and the one being called are one thing in common, and that is the Holy Spirit. You see that? So I have to have a phone, and now another thing, that phone must be on to be able to see that I have received a call, so I need to respond. And I want to read to you from the book of Galatians. So Galatians, I'm reading to you from chapter 5 and verse 25. Paul is making a very simple statement here. He says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, before I, pre I proceed any further, let us understand this. The Spirit of God is what connects us to the church. Today, I'm born again. I am part of the church because of the Spirit of God. So if there's anything that you need to, or any person that you need to be taken care of and paying close attention to in your life, it has to be the Holy Spirit. Because rapture is all going to be about Him. How are you going to disappear from earth and appear in the air to meet the Lord? It is by virtue of the Holy Spirit. So if you are not close to Him, if you're not having a closer walk with the Holy Spirit, you're missing out. Because there's no connection between the two of you. How do you expect, how on earth do you expect you to be raptured? Through what means? Some of you have never been moved by the Holy Spirit. If you have never been moved by the Holy Spirit, how do you expect the Holy Spirit to rapture you and cut you up in the air? To meet the Lord Jesus. How do you expect it to happen? This is not magic. It has to be happening now for you to know that it will happen in the future. So if you want to be raptured, if you want to be rapture ready, then you need to pay close attention to the Holy Spirit. Most of us grieve the Holy Spirit. First of all, because we don't know what He wants. And when He speaks, we don't listen. He speaks through conviction. He convicts our hearts and what we need to do and what we need not to do. But many of us don't listen. And the more we do that, the more we grieve him. And the more we grieve him, the more we suppress his control over our lives. Paul tells us in the book of Galatians chapter 5 and 25, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Does it mean to walk in the spirit? What does it mean to walk in the spirit? Romans chapter 8. When you became born again, the Spirit of God came to live inside you. Now, look at this. Romans chapter 8 and then verse 8. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Look at, look at verse 9. By you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. So, look at this. Okay, let me finish the verse. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of us. I want you to pay close attention to what Paul is saying here and what he's saying to the church of Galati. He says, I'm reading again, verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of us. So it's simple. If you have the Spirit of Christ, who is the Holy Spirit? If He lives in you, then you belong to God. 
but beyond that look at the expression paul uses here you are not in the flesh but what in the spirit if so be that the spirit of god dwells in you so if the spirit of god dwells in me then it means i am in the spirit i am in the spirit at times we make these funny funny comments and it's mainly because we, we lack understanding you then someone ask you be in the spirit be in the spirit <laughs> where have i been i mean where am i now you see it's a simple understanding you need to understand it to see it manifest in your life to be in the spirit does not mean i have to do something you know ritualistic praying tongues or begin to experience some breeze upon my no 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 no. it's simple if the spirit of god dwells in me i am already in the spirit if the spirit of god dwells in me i am in the spirit period that is what paul says here he says from verse 9 you are not in the flesh but in the spirit is so be that the spirit of god dwells in you not because you spoke in tongues, not because you prayed one hour, not because you prayed two hours. If the Spirit of God dwells in you, you are in the Spirit, period. Are you born again? Do you have the Spirit of God in you? Simple. You are in the Spirit. So now, can we go back to Galatians, where Paul tells us that if we are in the Spirit, then we should walk. So there are two sides of a coin. There's one thing to be in the Spirit, another thing to walk in the Spirit. So that's what Paul is saying here, Galatians chapter 5. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So to be born again, to be in Christ means to live in the spirit but then how do we walk in the spirit well what was paul even talking about in the first place when he spoke about we being in the spirit can we go back to romans 8 i'm going to read to you from verse 6 uh, maybe i should read to you from verse 5 from verse 5 for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh but they that are after the spirit do the things of the spirit for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is an enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. You see that? This is what Paul was talking about when he spoke about who is in the spirit and who is not. He's talking about being carnal and being spiritual. Who is considered spiritual? 
who is considered cannibal. Do not be deceived. There is nothing here that talks about praying for hours. There's nothing here that says when you pray for hours, you're spiritual. When you perform miracles, you're spiritual. The litmus test for spirituality is simple. Verse 5. They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the spirit do mind the things of the spirit. So what do you think about the most? Do you think about the things of the spirit? Do you think about the things of God? Or do you think about the things of the flesh? Now, this is how to let you know. Verse 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You see, when you think about the things of the flesh most of the time, this is what happens to you. Anxiety happens to you. Fear grips you. Because your mind is always set on the things of the flesh. And the things of the flesh are not perfect. The things of the flesh are not good for you. I am heading somewhere with this. Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And do not lose sight of what I'm talking about. I'm talking about walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to read to you from verse 6. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. So, it says when you're spiritually minded, Paul says in Romans, when you're spiritually minded, what do you see in your life? You see peace. You see life. Paul says, if we stop anxiety, if we stop being careful for everything, the peace of God, which passes understanding, shall keep our hearts and minds. So you see why anxiety is killing you. When you are anxious, it is a sign in your life that you are being carnal. When you think about the things of the flesh, most of the times, it takes a hold of you. So you are unable to flow in the spirit. So you are already in the spirit, but then you are, un then you are unable to walk in the spirit. Because there is something that is stopping you. You go for meetings and we are praying. And you cannot keep your mind focused on what we are praying about. Because you need to pay your school fees. Because an auntie is sick. Because there is a fight in the house. Because you don't know what you will eat tomorrow. Because you are jobless. Because you do, you do not have what you want. So you are worried. When your mind is always focused on these things, it takes your mind off Christ. You are unable to focus. When was the last time you meditated on God's word without interruption? People of God, we need to get serious. If we want to be rapture ready, we need to get serious with God. We need to start walking in the spirit. To walk in the spirit simply means to keep our minds set on the things of the spirit. What are the things of the spirit? Simple, the things of God. What are the things of God? Simple, the things that matter to God. What is God thinking? In Isaiah 55, the Lord said, 
my thoughts and not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. So God differentiated, even from Isaiah's point of view, what spiritual mindedness is and what being carnal minded also is. He says, the things I think about, the things that matter to me, those are not the things that matter to you. What are the things that matter to God? Philippians 4, I'm continuing from verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever are true, whatsoever things that are honest, whatsoever things that are just, whatsoever things that are pure, whatsoever things that are lovely, whatsoever things that are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. So let me ask you, the thoughts that are going through your mind now, did they pass this test? Are they true? Are they honest? Are they just? Are they pure? In fact, what thoughts can be true, can be honest, can be just, can be pure, can be lovely, can be of good report? I'm not sure there's any, but the Word of God. So what is the Word of God telling you today? Now you remember when God told Joshua, Let this book of the law depart not out of thy mouth, but meditate on these things day and night. The day starts from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. The night starts from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. What that means is 24 hours of meditation. Oh my word. Hmm. Now I understand the psalmist. When the psalmist wrote in Psalm 1, I know it's a very popular scripture and I want you to look at it. It says, Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. Now look at the results of this. He says, His life shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruits in season, in his season. He says, His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. Do you know why things are not working out together for your good? Because you're not doing this. Anybody who, who does what is written in Psalm 1 and 2 shall begin to experience Psalm 1 and 3. If your delight is in, his, is in the Word of God and you meditate day and night, your life shall be like a tree that is planted by the rivers of waters. When all trees are dried and dying, yours will remain fresh. When all trees are losing their leaves, yours will remain fresh and green. And Bible says you will bear fruit. You will be a blessing. You will see the blessings of God in your life until you become a blessing. That is what the Lord says about your life. And why? Who doesn't like to live such a life? Everybody does. But we are all not willing to do what it takes to live such a life. If you continue to worry about the things of this world, worry about the cares of this world, your life will continue to be miserable. And beyond the fact that you cannot focus on God, there's nothing you can do about the problem anyway. So why worry? Why think about it? Be as irresponsible as you can be. Live your life. Let God take care of the rest. Yes, someone is sick in the house. Yes, I'm jobless. Yes, I don't have money. 
but I know what the Word of God says and I choose to think about what the Word of God says rather than what is actually happening. The Bible says that all things shall work together for my good. The Bible says it is the blessings of the Lord that makes a man wealthy, not hard work. The Bible says it is God that gives power to make wealth. So that work that you're doing, if God is not involved, forget it. So instead of worrying about what you don't have and what you can have and what people are saying and what people are not saying and what everybody's expecting you to do and the fact that you're not measuring up to a standard and, and what and what not and what that and worry and think about the word of God. When you have nothing to worry about, meditate on God's word. That is what it means to walk in the spirit. So one of the things you can do to walk in the spirit is to meditate on the word. Think about the things of God. Number two, let me ask you. If you were God, hmm, what would be some of the things that would matter to you? And you can see these things clearly in God's word. That's why we are saying pay attention to the word. Because the more you study the word, the more you meditate on the word, the more you, the more you get to know his will. And more than ever, Paul writes to believers and he talks about to have the knowledge of his will, the knowledge of his perfect will, the knowledge, what is the will of God? The will of God is what God is thinking. The will of God is the thoughts of God. What is God thinking about this situation? What is God thinking about this church? Let the needs of the church be your needs. When was the last time you were a blessing to somebody? When was the last time you won a soul for the Lord? When was the last time the business of God was your own business? When was the last time you were interested in the lives of others? Who are you mentoring? Who are you helping make their life better? Who are you teaching? Who are you grooming? That is what it means to think like God. That is what it means to be concerned about the business of the Father. Jesus was very hungry in John chapter 4. And so the Bible says his disciples left him. They were going to get food from somewhere, possibly Samaria. He sat on the well waiting. There's this woman who came. And then they began to have a conversation. He spoke a few things to the woman. The woman became excited. And Jesus knew what the woman was going to do. She was going to make noise in the town and draw a lot of people to him. Disciples finally came and said, Hey, Charlie, we, we brought the food. You said you were hungry, now we brought the food. And he says, Oh, my, my guy. There is food I have to eat that you have no idea of. The man Jesus was very hungry, but when ministry needs were presented to him, he ditched his food and focused on ministry. And he told his disciples that you guys are not sensitive. When it's about to rain, don't you see the clouds? Don't you see that it's about to rain? Don't you see that there's a harvest that I'm about to make this afternoon? So let me be. Let the food aside. Let me eat this food first. His mind was set on the business of the Father. What is your mind set on? Some of you, when you wake up in the morning, all you think about is how you're going to make it. It's how you're going to take your business to the next level. It's how you're going to land your next job. It's how you're going to impress your boss. That is all you think about. What about the business of the Father? You just go to church and come. You don't think of how you can be a blessing to somebody. How you can be a blessing to a brother or a sister. You see a need. That is the business of the father. Meeting the needs of the widow. Meeting the needs of the orphan. Meeting the needs of the poor. That is the business of the father. Now, 
What are the things of the Spirit? So you see, can you tell me that you've never been convicted about certain things that you ought to have done to help somebody before? That is the Holy Spirit telling you to mind the things of the Spirit. The things of the Spirit are not some spiritual revelation, something, something. No. They are basic needs of the people. Remember, when Jesus spoke about the judgment, the white throne judgment, he said that he's going to divide the people into two, goats and sheep. And to the sheep, he would tell them, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I didn't have clothes to wear, you put clothes on me. These are the things on the mind of God. If you want to know what God is thinking, this is it. And when you read the scriptures, he'll tell you that these are the things that matter to him. Sadly, those things don't matter to us. We are not concerned about these things. We are rather concerned about our lives. We have we become so selfish, self-conceited, worrying about how things can be better for us. We don't have a job and that's the only prayer we pray. We stop praying for souls. We have stopped praying for, 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 for orphans and widows and people who need our help. We stop praying for these people. And our prayer is all focused and centered about ourselves and our families. This is not the kind of life God called us to live. No. So when you begin to walk in the spirit, these are some of the things that are always on your mind. Where can I make my nest harvest? Which soul can I win the nest? What can I do to please the Father? These are the things of the spirit that you need to set your mind on. And when you're too busy about the business of the Father, the cares of this world will take care of themselves. That's why the Bible says, seek first the betterment, the promotion, the advancement of the kingdom of God and its righteousness and all other things shall be added unto you. So another way you can walk in the spirit, I'll end with this scripture, is from Ephesians chapter 5. And then I'm going to read to you from this. Well, let me start from verse 15. It says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Remember, we spoke about this. And be not drunk with wine. So, walk on circumspect. Number one is to know the will of the Lord. Number two is that do not be drunk with wine when in excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So walk in the Spirit. First one, knowing the will of the Father. Second, being filled with the Spirit. And Paul has told us or shares with us how we can be filled with the Spirit of God. Just speaking to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. It's talking about yourself, you yourself, not others. So singing spiritual songs, adoring God, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. 
how do you feel when you go to church and we have time of worship? How do you feel after you've had a very intense, intimate time worshiping and adoring God? How do you feel? You feel this peace that comes over you. Now imagine if you can live in that atmosphere the rest of your life. So you are always singing, you are keeping that atmosphere around you, that atmosphere around you. In that way, you are keeping yourself in step with the Holy Spirit. So when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, it's clearer because your mind is already focused on the things of God. So after taking control of your mind, you need to fill your soul with the Spirit of God. And that is what Paul is asking us to do here. The more you worship God, the more you fill yourself up. That is why, you know, um, many people condemn the song. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. You know, we we sing it in a way with the understanding that God is the one when we fill the cup. So you lift up your cup, God, fill it, fill it, fill it. Whereas God has actually showed us how to fill our cup. The very thing he's going to fill your cup with is already in you, which is the Holy Spirit. If you don't tell God, fill my cup, if you feel you're weak and you need to, you need your cup be filled. Do it yourself. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. Because the person who is going to do the filling is already in you. So what you need to do is to do something that makes him, number one, comfortable and at home. And you need him to expand in you. So the more you worship, the more he expands, the more he fills you up. The more he fills you up so paul has shown us how to be filled with the, with the spirit of god and he says we should do what sing to ourselves not just any songs but then spiritual songs and he told me that i cannot be everywhere and be singing like that he didn't say that's the only thing you do he says then making melody in your heart the times you're not singing the song but you're humming it sometimes you're not humming it there's this song that is going on in your heart, in your mind. I don't know if it's ever happened to you before. When you are there and you feel like a song is, is going on in your in your mind. You know, that is when you're making melody in your heart, you know. There's something boiling up within you every time. And this is not doing it at some point and stopping. This is continuous till it becomes a habit. Checking your WhatsApp messages and you know all that on your phone has become a habit. So that when you're less busy and you're doing nothing, you just pick up your phone and check it. It's become a habit. You become addicted to your phone. Can you become addicted to making melodies in your heart? Can you become addicted to singing? That anytime you're less busy, you find yourself uncontrollably singing. When you do that, you are creating the atmosphere for the Spirit of God to easily minister to you. And so when you're able to keep up atmosphere like that, what do you do? You're just telling God that you're ready anytime. And so when rapture happens, the Spirit of God already has control over you. Another thing that you know we draw from the scripture is when you're drunk with wine, when it controls you, when you're filled with wine, what you are filled with is what controls you. So if you are filled with wine, wine controls you and makes you do things you have no idea of. In the same way, when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit controls you. So it makes it easy for him to rapture you. 
and then show you, present you to the Lord Jesus Christ in the air. So if you want to be raptured, ready. If you want to be rapturable, then you need to keep that atmosphere everywhere you go. It is very important. Time is not on my side. I have to end here. I'll come in way again with a lot of things or some of the things we need to do to be able to keep ourselves ready for this coming. The Lord bless you. Keep you. In Jesus' name. Amen.